0: Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to Cotton in the Rocket Ship. I am your host, Linux Mars Jr. And I want to thank you for listening in once again. This is season one, episode twenty-seven, and the name of this episode is going to be called Division. And this episode is going to be focused on the division of black and white people and why it's important that the powers that be have this division amongst the races. And I say quote-unquote race because I do know that it's a social construct. However, I would like to say Social constructs and man-made things become reality so We all know that it's a social construct and there is no difference amongst race We may look different phenotypically, but internally we are pretty much the same human being I, I get it however Race is why we separate things and we divide the resources to a group of people because of skin type, or we deem and give and assign privileges and certain. T- certain access to certain groups uh, dependent on how they, how one looks. And this is the climate that we face today. And I wanted to do another piece on patriarchy, but I just wanted to, to change it up a bit because um, when I get too focused on a topic or try to do a part two on a topic, it, it uh, affects me in a way that where I start to think about it too much so it's almost like when you're eating and they give you the lemon sorbet to cleanse your palate in order to get a new dish this is kind of like the same difference for me so I want to talk about the vision and This is difficult for me because I want to talk about the power structure. But first, I want to know I want the audience to know that the creators of this power structure, they're white. It was uh, made for white people. To, for white people to receive certain benefits and resources and, and land so they can take care of their kids and their kids' kids and generally she down the line and that was kind of the, the mind frame the person had when creating this society so they didn't have or didn't factor in those of African descent those of Asian descent, i.e. minority. So it's almost like play as you go. So in this piece, uh, Division, I want to first start out with one of the first times race was introduced. So um, Western slavery and slavery in general is not a, a it's a very old concept, very old profession, so to speak, you know, since humans, I guess, came into consciousness, they always enslaved one another, whether it's the Germanic tribes on the Germanic tribes, or the Russian tribes, or the Asians on the steppe, or even Africans in Africa, you know, in different empires, whether it's the Songhai, or the Great Mali Empire slavery is, is not a it's not a new phenomenon so but in the last I would just say 500 years 7 to 500 years Just I'm just throwing a spitball in the figure but just last 500 years it has been um, the transatlantic slave trade and predominantly the white Uh, European colonial power and African bodies so that's that's where we are today in the past we can talk about the Arabic and African slave trade we can even talk about the Moorish slave trade amongst how they sold Europeans Um, we can even talk about there's just many different the term slave in itself coming from you know Slavic So. It's complex when you talk about it but going back to division so I want to stay on track is that one of the very first times division was seen racially was Bacon's rebellion and I remember this from social studies right and so I remember listening to it and you know and they give it to you in very sanitized terms but I do remember what stuck out stuck out to me was that in Bacon's Rebellion there was the Daniel Bacon and then there's this other black gentleman and they fought this the governor, William Buckley, Berkeley. Not Buckley, but Berkeley. And he was the governor of Virginia. So in these times before um the American Revolution, governors would run a state or a province and those governors were in charge in the stead of the king. So whatever the governor basically said goes because if the king didn't know or he gives word back to the king or the queen, how this goes, the, the governor is, is pretty much in charge. So kind of today, if the federal government was to dissolve or break down for some reason, you, your state authority, the highest state authority is your governor. So we still keep that semblance of power and that, that remnant of power from the olden days. So, going back to Bacon's Rebellion, they rebelled against the governor, Nathaniel Bacon, and then there's this African fellow, right? They had been mistreated, such where they deemed that you know we're gonna take over, we're gonna take back Virginia, and we're gonna right the wrongs of this wicked governor, William Berkeley, and so they were kind of successful in that but in this what I'm getting at is that when it was time to persecute Nathaniel Bacon and you know and all of his co-conspirators of this rebellion the African had the, the man of African descent had the worst punishment out of the group and essentially you know the co-opters who were white were given some leniency. And this is one of the first times that we see this on paper in North America. And that was the litmus test for the, and the archetype for today. So in Virginia, after Bacon's rebellion, they initiated the slave codes of 1705. And the slave codes were very harsh codes on slavery. Because remember, that's why I date slavery back to the 15th century. Bacon's Rebellion is... Early 17th century or 16th? Let me make sure I'm right. But... 1676 was Bacon's Rebellion, so remember, keep that in mind, it's 1676, the country wasn't formed until 1776, or 1766, excuse me, my dates are off, so, but you can look this up. So it's almost 100 years prior to the American Revolution that this happened. But I say this to say that this is the first time on soil that race-based judicial prejudice is stamped in this country. And the slave codes happened in 1705. And when those slave codes happened, those of African descent could no longer own weaponry, and could no longer move freely, even though they may have been free. so at this time, slavery is not just Africans. they are white slaves, there are white indentured servants. there are Native Americans who could be enslaved, Native Americans who are who could be indentured servants. so they're experimenting with how labor is used or cheap and free labor is used in order to provide goods and services. So just keep that in mind. So whenever there... Are, and I want you to understand this when I say white and black. The structure is white. Yes. But the actors are always different. The actors are different. And the division of white and black is what where I'm getting at. So remember bacon's rebellion okay so now here fast forward today in the transatlantic slave trade they kind of experimented with what kind of slaves which in and I want the audience to know slavery wasn't just shipping bodies from from West Africa to west indies and south america and to north america that happened yes however it was more complex they enslaved the indigenous people here as well too those who were phenotypically african i won't get into it i just want you to look it up they also sent african slaves to from north america to europe as well, to do work. And that's kind of like the first inception of why they needed labor. They needed labor from all over, so they would just take bodies. They would take bodies from North America. Like, can we use them to to send them back to this island? We could do so. Can we send them to Panama or somewhere? Yeah, let's do that. So it's a lot more complex than what we think it is. We like to think of it in the seamless terms, but it was more roundabout, and they were experimenting on which was the best labor force and they found that the the year they tried first with their own with Europeans but they realized that they can blend in they can run away and and they can get away faster so a lot of times in the the indentured servitude contracts of like seven years some of these indent um the indentured servitude contracts were so, so backwards, is that if someone made a mistake, or if they, even if they fulfill their terms of indentured servitude, the person can still annul those that agreement, and so keep them, try to keep them indefinitely as indentured servants. So it's virtually slavery. So there's a lot of disputes that you can see, and this is all a uh, public record, you know. So you can really look up in like the national. Library of Congress, and you can probably find old indentured servitude contracts and and look them up for yourself and see exactly how that was. One thing I I do have to say is that between the Western powers, whether it's um, the UK, Europe, London, uh, French, Spanish, Spain, um, they keep very good records. The Europeans back then kept immaculate records of like their day-to-day diaries, journals. They're there, you just have to look for them. And, uh, for the average person, when I talked about Maslow's hierarchy, and he's, you're not looking up this stuff because you're just focused on your day-to-day. But, but back to division. So remember, Bacon's Rebellion, Nathaniel Bacon, and the African gentleman, I well, I don't know his name, they had two different drastic um, sentences. And I want you to know that was the first time they the power structure saw race. The power structure and then they equated race to give people harsher sentences in North America. So, I want you to know that black and white people always had The same struggles. The power structure of the governor, the wickedness of the governor trying to take their labor unlawfully. Black people rebelling, white people rebelling. And then there comes a divide. Don't worry about this black guy, he's different than you are. We're white in this power structure. We're white. So I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna give you some concessions. I'm gonna give you some benefits because of your whiteness. And I'm gonna to continue to keep 90% or 95% of the shares and earnings. But you can take this little pittance because you're white and don't worry, I'm gonna take care of you. And that's what the governor did. And fast forward today, black people, we're talking about police violence and police brutality and they're making it black people against the police. They're saying defund the police. They're saying black people have a problem with authority not knowing that when you look at the numbers, white men are shooting police officers at a higher rate. Police officers are killing white men. However, we're getting killed two times as much but on the white side of the community, they're saying that maybe they deserve it. However, the overarching theme is that the, the police have become materi- uh, militarized and we're moving into a, an occupied state, a militarized America. State-given guns, federal government grants passed down old M16s from World War One, World War II and the Korean War and all these ec- excess guns are given to police departments, granted. You can't tell me that you're going to give weaponry and bulletproof vests and old tanks and tell an organization, a paramilitary organization, not to use it. In ancient Rome times, when it bef- they used to just ramsack villages just to keep their soldiers strong and, and war ready so if you have a standing army they're ransacking villages just for practice so they're going to use this, this they're going to use the American populace as practice if they're not using anyone else it's only natural when you study militarization and war. This is a part of it. And once again, I will always say this to my audience. Black people are the litmus test. We, we are the catalyst for things to come because we don't have the economic platform, the foundation to fight Um to, to use the judicial system in our favor because we all know that you need to have expendable income in this, this place called America in order to survive, but only, and to defend yourself legally. So we know this. That's why black people, me personally, I avoided, I avoid the judicial system. I avoid police because it, it doesn't operate in my benefit. And now that when you compound race, it's something that definitely doesn't compound and benefit me, and especially how we are looked at and demonized in, in the media. In one of my previous segments before, I discussed that there is 400 years of narrative against me, working against me, whether it's Zip Coon, whether it's the Noble Savage, whether it's um, the quote-unquote Uncle Tom, which I can get into that as well, so all of these, these media and this, this publication of how I'm being painted and demonized makes it easier for the police and, and people not to believe me in this societal structure. But going more into division is that it is used, race and racism is directly used to keep us ostracized from resources and money because once we stop focusing on fighting, the infighting, we can really point a finger at who's doing the division and who's doing the dividing. The rich doesn't care about poor white people. They don't bleed red. They don't bleed anything else. They They don't bleed red, white, and blue. They bleed green. So I want my audience to always know that the power structure is created by predominantly white people. But the actors aren't the white middle class. Who we're up against is not never the white middle class or even poor whites. If anything, they pay the white middle class to call the police on black people for doing mundane things. So they use the white middle class and they use the the poor white middle class to then exercise their quote unquote benefits and quote unquote authority onto us to say that the system is working so essentially they're oppressing us but in turn they are receiving all the benefits of society and then blaming it on us so whenever you see like For example, before there was an immigrant population, before the Mexican population, they would often say to poor whites that the Negro or the IE, the niggers are taking your jobs. This is written fact. Now, hence, now you can see that it's almost the same thing. It's always the same The same strategy being used, but just different play people. At one point in time, you know, to build a railroad, they didn't want to pay the white man X amount of dollars, so they got black people and Asians to run the railroad because they needed the money. They're going to tell you that the, the yellow man took your job, the black man took your jobs. Meanwhile, they could have paid everyone a fair wage. So it's always the power structure keeping the money at top and having us, the populace, fight for the crumbs at the bottom. And the way that they keep us divided is through the judicial structure and i.e. the police, those who enforce it. So now I can give you a reward, poor white man, for telling, to tell on runaway slaves, even though you're poor yourself and you can be a slave because they did have white slaves. They had but the way that white people went into slavery, it was through debt. So if you had to pay off a debt, you would become in bondage. And so you would be picking cotton right around along slaves. That's why I say that slavery is, is not just black and white. It's this scope of things that involve capitalism. It involves economics. So whenever one introduces racism, Economics is short to follow. And it always works like that. So I wanted to share something with the audience. And I wanted to share that this is a conversation on Facebook with one of my friends. And um, we went to to college together. And we both were EOF recipients. And um, I'm a fan of his his music. I'm just a fan of this guy. and, And he's a white gentleman. And he asked a question, a very interesting question from his point of view and his perspective and I, I responded to him and he said so what is the ceiling for corporations slash groups changing their brands? Question mark. For which I am for by the way. Lady Antebellum is now Lady A Aunt Jemima is being retired so what does that mean? Disney is going to redesign Mickey Mouse or is that too cost prohibitive? Very good questions. So now that we see that these corporations are now doing things that, personally, I don't care they do. That's just me. I'm making an I statement now. But corporations are now donning the banner of Black Lives manner They are. They are in quote unquote solidarity. You know, I'm, I'm emphasizing quote unquote. If I could put quote unquote in bold solidarity with black people and the black struggle however we're just getting signs all across the nation now in the south and they're, they're knocking down old general statues of like Robert E. Lee and, and whatever generals they have um, and this is, this is disrupting and it's disrupting poor white people and middle class white people because they are are seeing their sensibilities being ripped and stripped away but the only thing and this is how I responded and I will say the only thing that we are asking for is that the police not kill us in the streets like dogs this is the only thing we we have requested we have been requesting this since like the 1700s I'm not lying when I say this we have requested this so much but however it, it has now it's 2020 and we still haven't got it but we, what we have gotten was the Democratic Party with Kente cloth kneeling down and giving us a, a, a disrespectful bill of what they think to do and so here's, here's what I said and I said this is how I feel Corporations are taking the path of least resistance. I don't care about symbolic victories or the removal of statues, etc. That is a part of history which we should learn from, acknowledge and move on. What is needed is a concerted effort to right the wrongs and fight for equality and stop the police from gunning us down without seeing a judge. All the other things to me is fluff change the laws, increase accountability, and cut the checks. That's it. And they liked my post. And he responded and he said, I agree with you. I heard something that really bothered me about a week ago, and I still can't shake it. On a podcast, this gentleman said, now I'm paraphrasing, white people who are out there supporting us, I see you. And appreciate the effort but I need you to stay with us because next week there's going to be new news there's going to be a new news story and a hot topic but I'm still going to be black a black man in America and there's still going to be police violence against us and I like that and I agree with that and I, and I said, I agree with that sentiment. They will continue to misrepresent the initial reason people are in the street, and then they will distract us. And, when they do, and then they will divide and drive a wedge between black people and white people even further with something that has nothing to do with police brutality or legislation being passed i said you will see more kente cloth grandstanding pandering patronizing and then we will get nothing for our efforts just back to status quo that's the truth and i really do this is the cyclical event and this is why i try not to get so frustrated and i see it happening throughout the annals of time and i can tell you that every 10 years there's been some type of powder keg of police violence in our community because they have done so much that we that's unrecorded or not recorded or we've complained about several times but has not been rectified. And and I know too, white people because I know that they're ostracized out of our communities. Because I know I did that piece on and I talk about redlining. They have been ostracized out of our communities And then the media doesn't paint a picture Or no one knows what's going on On our side of town But we're catching hell from police um, and, And negative and negligent police So I know personally That one negative police officer Can do so much damage to a community To the point that we Don't even associate ourselves with the police We consider the police just as any local or neighborhood drug dealer they're just going to bleed us for our money and we see that time and time again and so we would like to have a relationship with law enforcement but it's not there and so this is how we must operate in society with devoid of law enforcement and devoid and just avoidance at all cost And that's not living, that's surviving. So I want to, I want the audience to understand that the media will play its part into driving a wedge. And the wedge is, let's knock down some statues. Let's knock down and and try to erase so much of the sensibilities and the American fabric that we have so far. And for some African Americans, I'm not speaking for all African Americans. For some, I understand the argument that they walk past a street, they walk past a statue of a slave owner who owned slaves, or for someone who was just very vicious to our ancestors. I do understand that. But for me, personally, symbolic victories, my son cannot eat. I cannot eat a symbolic victory. I cannot I I, I cannot do anything with a symbolic victory. I am tired of symbolic victories. I'm tired of movies trying to to depict and paint pictures of that if you can get beat and battered for so long that you will become triumphant in the end. Uh, I'm not there. I think I will never be there. And me as a business owner understands that power does not move. You can't do anything with symbolism because power has cold hard cash power can lock me up for a 100 years power can do so many things to all of us overnight they can, they can rearrange blocks they can bring in tanks they can, they can do so much harm that's what power is and so for those of, of us who are taking a stance the ones who are the descendants of John Brown, the ones who are taking rubber bullets in the face, who are white, the ones who are standing up for oppression. I humbly thank you. But our job and our work is not done for equality. It is far from done. And the way the the system works is that they're going to keep driving wedges between us whether they're going to give white people some concessions for their efforts or they're going to start to take away some things from their sensibilities to make them uncomfortable so that they can now vilify black people even more and then give them some concessions because once you start to turn on the black populace or any minority populace there's rewards to be given And that's what I'm talking about. But meanwhile, they're taking billions and they're selling off the country wholesale and you don't have access to it as well. That's the division I see. And the symbolic victories don't even, it doesn't do anything for us. If the community stays the same, our communities haven't changed since 1950. We have lost more wealth since 1950. We don't own any economic platforms. At least in the 1950s, we own businesses that we can get money amongst our own. We don't have that. We have been combating against other populations that come into America, and we have to compete with them as well. Dollar for dollar, we have to compete with other populace outside that that immigrates from outside the country. So all of the things that we talk about now, whether it's immigration reform, whether it's um, and I'm speaking as a first generation immigrant, first generation African-American, but having an immigrant background. But I'm I'm here to talk about how we can enhance because I, I know that. Western society has a a global touch and a global branding on how they depict Africans and African-Americans. So if I walk anywhere in the world, people are going to view me in how America media views me because I've been to Japan. I've been to the UK and how they treat us. It's no different. It's just small, small, settled and nuanced degrees black people are still getting stopped and frisked in the UK by the Bobby or the Johnny. So this is what I'm talking about. And so white people who are, who are quiet and they're complicit in it, they have nothing to gain because you're quote unquote countrymen, don't care about you they didn't majority of the people who fought in the American Revolution excuse me the American Civil War weren't rich Southerners the only rich Southerners they had were the ones who were the generals or they had top ranks. so they weren't fighting side by side it was poor whites that couldn't afford slaves and when you understand that piece that's the only thing they have to have they have to hold on to a flag and some statues and this tells that their grandfather, their great, great grandfather fought in the in the um, in the Civil War. And what's the interesting part is that the union didn't even want black people to fight. <laughs> that was one of the last straws when we started running out of men. But what's interesting is that the Confederacy started out having the slaves fight for them. So who was more racist? And I'm not trying to make the point that I'm for the Confederacy, but I just want everyone to understand that these, these concepts aren't as black and white as they seem. And I, and you can say all pun intended because this is what I'm talking about. This, this episode is called Division and why black people need to unify with white people. But the thing is that white people may be so much in their slumber or they may just be complicit in the benefits that they're receiving because they don't know what it is at the end of a tunnel. So it's almost like asking me, like, listen, I give you I give you one hundred dollars a day, Lennox, to be quiet. Lennox is Lennox may take the money. I'm gonna take it. But at the moment I, I see some injustice and speak out, I know I might lose this hundred dollars. So that's what they have to do. So it's kind of hard to ask someone to give up something that they've been receiving all of their lives for what 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 is there to to lose but there's a moral there is a moral tragedy to be had so i understand it as a human being why would i give up you know as a logical human being why would i give up this good this good living for what 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 is what do i have to stand for that to get more civil unrest to get less of the pie that I already have I get it I understand it I'm a businessman I, I get it it's like yo Lennox why are you speaking out you got, you got things good but there's a moral moral underpinning here these things this, this American government is, is built off contracts and papers it's, it's, it's fictitious if we all stop believing this shit doesn't work at all So that's what I want you to understand. The the American dream can be American nightmare. And the moment that we all start waking up, we can actually make this thing better than what it is. Or we can just say, you know what? We gave you 400 years of hard work. I'm out of here. I'm splitting. Let me just make my slice. Can you cut me a slice of the pie somewhere else in in another country, another place? Because we, we tried. Because right now, we can see that the American government, right now, if we don't make a stand and change some of these things, we are not. I will say this to my audience in, in full disclosure. We're 35th in everything. You know, healthcare we're not number one. The only thing we're number one in is military might. We are in the 30th of everything. Our schools are probably in the top 50, if that. Our infrastructure, our roads are terrible. Drinking water is terrible. Irrigation is terrible. If we didn't, if we didn't get our, our outside food from from other countries at a at a subsidized cheap rate, <laughs> farming and agriculture will be down because we don't care about the farmers. So what what is it that we do best besides threaten and shoot people? me that so if we can't take a care of our own in the populace and the truth of the matter is is that the same people that we said that we're fighting against whether it's China we we receive goods they're communists we've received goods and services from them we 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 going to talk about Russia <laughs> we've been at a since the Cold War we but look Russia had a play in <laughs> In the election somehow, you know, that's, that's some things that they don't want to talk about. So I say this to say, is that if we're worried about holding on to some, some traditions or some things like that, the powers that be have already started selling America wholesale. Your, your rich compatriots have been selling out America, whether they sold Manhattan To the Chinese government Because they bought up a lot of our our bonds They bought up a lot of real estate In Manhattan as well So if you walk around and you see high rises And things that's being built Is actually built by China So how do you think We're supposed to be at war with somebody That owns the receipts and own bonds They own parts of the United States government Come on now Middle class white people, poor white people, and black people are the only bastion of of American existence that's holding on to this stuff. Some of the most patriotic people I know are black Americans. Black people who say, yo, my father fought in the war. My father fought, fought Nam. My great-grandfather fought since the American Revolution. I know some people like that. Nine, ten generations in. And still can't get a fair shake. We have to do better. But I just want people to know that we, I see the play of division. I see the play of race playing a part when it comes to economics. We see it. But are we gonna do something about it? This is cotton and a rocket ship. Peace.